Well, I don't know how many of you may have heard about uh, the New Yorker that was driving through Texas. He got into a wreck with a truck pulling a one of them horse trailers, and they had a trailer in the back, and they got into a wreck, and of course it ruined his BMW, uh, but you know, he's laying there by the side of the road and went through this whole situation and, and got to go home. Several months later, he was trying to get rec- recompense for the damaged vehicle and for his own medical needs and, and, you know, dealing with the insurance companies and the problems that arise. And the insurance company called him up and said, how in the world can you say you had these medical bills when the, t- the traffic report, the accident report from the officer stated very clearly that when he asked you how you were doing, you said just fine. He said, well, you have to understand, sir, that when I was there laying on the side of the road, I heard the officer walk up, and he stopped by the farmer first, and the farmer looked down at his horse, and he says, man, my horse is in a lot of pain. And he said, what's wrong with him? He says, well, I think he, I think he broke a leg. I don't know if there's anything we're going to be able to do for him. And the officer pulled his gun out and shot the horse. Then he walked over to me and said, how are you feeling? <laughs> I, I figured I was feeling pretty good at that point. Uh, nothing else was going to work for, for me at that, that point. That was the answer I had to give. And, and so, you know, situations as we face them in our life, uh, there's a lot of people that are dealing with different types of hurt. The beloved, um, the, the, the Bible, sorry, has a lot to say to the beloved on hurting people and the hurt that people carry. The challenge for us is to know how best to help hurting people. Because when someone is hurting, every action and reaction is magnified by the struggle that they're going through. In the same way that when you come along some, beside somebody and you are a tremendous help to them in their hour of need, that help, because it's the hour that they needed you, because it was that time, is very precious and very helpful to them. And, and it, it's very meaningful because it was magnified by the struggle they're going through. But in the same way, when some, somebody does something careless or hurtful, on top of somebody that's already hurting, that's magnified. And someone who, who you've gone and helped in their hour of need, it's things that they will remember for the rest of their life. There's been times people came to me and said, I'll never forget the time that you did this and said what I did, and I didn't even remember doing it. I'm like, I don't even remember that. Never, I, I don't know. And they're like, man, it just meant so much to me. But in the same way, if we're careless or unthoughtful or handle a situation incorrectly, they may very well remember for the rest of their life the hurt that you heaped upon the hurt they already had. And so we need to be careful and have some wisdom in how we help people that are hurting. We believe that the Bible has the answer. We believe the Bible teaches that we are to be people of compassion, that we're to care about one another. The Bible still says rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. That's supposed to be the heart of the Christian. Well, by way of introduction, let me remind you of a few things. There, tonight I'm going to deal with, and he put it up there already, yes, how to help hurting people. 
as we're looking at this different how-to series, different things, but how to help hurting people. And there's way too much content, and there's no way I could deal with, or this is such a broad topic and, and what needs to be addressed in different situations and people dealing with specific things. You know, there's other things might be need to be considered. And, uh, you know, we've talked specifically in the past about grief and, uh, you know, how to help somebody who's grieving, um, you know, but this is generally tonight, I'm dealing with more like just the hurt that people have and deal with. And so as by way of introduction, let me remind you of a few things. First of all, uh, everyone is destined to be hurt sometime. It's going to happen. The day is going to come where you will be hurt in a rough way. It's just, it's part of life. If it hasn't happened yet, that time's going to come. So as we're dealing with this tonight, there may be some thoughts, especially if you are maybe currently going through it or as time progresses and you go through some hurt yourself, you might think about these things. and It'll help you through that time, but also know that in America where we live today, a nation that has more ways to make you happy than any other nation in the world. I mean, America is, there's, there's more things for enjoyment than any other nation, and yet one out of 10 people in America are on antidepressants. We only make up 4.5% of the world's population, but we consume 80% of its opioids. This place that has more opportunity to make people happy than any other seems like people are more miserable than any other. And I think it's because, beloved, sin and indulgence leads to depression and disease. We think that our society has finally succeeded and we've got success and so all of a sudden we should be eat, drink and be happy and we should be enjoying life and it's all about our fun and all of that. But more and more people are miserable. Why? Because a life lived for oneself and in sin leads to disease and discouragement. But righteousness exalteth the nation and will lead to joy and happiness. Everyone is destined to go through and endure some hurt in their life. Remember that you're not the only one that has felt this pain. Whatever the pain is, you're not the only one that's endured it. You're not the only one that's faced that loss or have felt that burden or carried that struggle. It's, it's, you're not the only one. Hurt is a progression if it's not taken care of. You see, when sorrow or sadness is not handled in a biblical way, it leads to a broken spirit. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. When sorrow or a, a hurt comes, if it's not dealt with quickly, if it's not dealt with biblically in a right way, it will lead to a broken spirit. How many of you have known someone who said, boy, uh, 
I used to go to church. But somebody hurt me. I used to go to God's house. I used to do this, but I don't anymore because they were hurt. You see, they were hurt, but they didn't deal with it biblically. And that sorrow led to a broken heart that led to a broken spirit. The danger of a broken spirit, the Bible tells us in Psalm 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. You see, we've got to be very, very careful that we maintain a right spirit and that we handle hurts correctly because a broken spirit drieth the bones. Hurt that is not healed leads to dry bones. What I'm saying is it's going to continue to cause problems. If it's not fixed, it'll begin to fester. If it's not fixed, it will begin to fester. You will actually become weak as a Christian because of a hurt that happened, because you didn't, just like physically, you get a a wound, and if it's not addressed or taken care of, it begins to fester. It begins to get infected, and you'll begin to get weak physically. Well, a wound of your spirit, a wound in your heart, we see it leadeth to dry bones. We know that Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 10 tells us, you tell me. It tells us something is our strength. Do you know? The, the what? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And what happens is Christians get hurt. Their joy gets taken and they don't even realize it, but now they're weak as a Christian as a result because their joy has been stolen by a hurt that they did not handle correctly. What happens to something that dries up? A Let's take some soil that, that gets all dried out. I'm looking for a particular word, but what happens to soil that dries up? It breaks, it cracks, but uh, it, get, it gets hard. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it gets hard. Last night, I was uh, working on the handrails. We're going to mount some handrails to the front of the uh, auditorium here so that those that are older can get up and down without falling. And uh, we'll, we'll let you guys decide who who's older. Now nobody's going to use them, right? <laughs> like, I ain't using those handrails. <laughs> that brother Don, he's going to be 97 going up and down right here. He's like, I ain't, I ain't using them handrails. But I was working on those handrails last night and I went in my wood cabinet where my tools for working with wood are and I grabbed a container of wood filler to fill some little nail holes that I had in there and I opened it up and it was hard as a rock. <laughs> it was dried out. Yeah, it, it, uh, I don't, it's been several years since I've used any wood filler. And I should have known that that was not going to be any good. Uh, that's what happens. You see, hurt that isn't handled correctly breaks your, your spirit, but it leads to a hard heart. Because it describes here how it's going to dry up your bones. It's going to lead to a hard heart. 
And a hard heart that's not handled will lead to hatred. You guys have seen it in marriages. Two people that stood at the altar and and confessed their love to one another before God and all of those present till death do us part. And now you look at them and talk to them and they're saying, I can't stand them. I can't spend another day with her. I hate him. You see, hurt that's not handled leads to hardness. Hardness that's not dealt with leads to hatred. And you see people that have left the family of God, that years ago something happened and they got hurt, and they hate the church. They hate the fellow believers. They, they hate that. And, it's, and, and really, it's Satan who's got the victory there. So I'm going to give you right here some, some thoughts about deliverance from a broken spirit, and then we're going to get into the outline this evening. But just as the body, when the body is hurt physically, you know, the body immediately, if you, if you touch something that's hot, immediately you pull away because, ouch, that hurt, right? There's a, there's a natural reaction. And actually the body will begin immediately a process, a natural process where it starts to heal, it's amazing this creation that God has given us, the physical body, and, and how it heals. But when we are hurt emotionally, in much the same way, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a little bit, but in much the same way, people pull away. Why? Because that hurt. They don't want to experience that hurt again, and so they pull away, and we're going to address that a little bit further, but here's what we've got to be very careful. Left to natural processes, the, 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 the emotions, the heart of man left to himself is not going to bring healing. It's not going to heal on its own. You have to, on purpose, apply the balm of Gilead. You have to, on purpose, begin to think biblically and apply biblical principles to bring healing to a hurt heart. Because left to itself, that hurt will begin to fester. That hurt will, will, will go down a, a wrong path. And we've got to be careful to do that. I think of several things. One is David encouraged himself in the Lord. We see that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him. We see that Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that her, her soul was full of hurt, that she wept, but she prayed continually unto the Lord. Beloved, we must control our emotions. We are emotional creatures, that God made us that way, and there's nothing wrong with emotions. Sometimes I think we, we try and squash the emotions too much. I think emotion is okay, but emotion should be under control. Emotion should be governed by God. We must know the God of all mercies. You see, God is concerned about your emotional health. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse number 3 and 4, he said, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us, in our tribulation. God is concerned 
about your emotional health. He brings comfort in all your tribulations. But is anybody familiar enough with that passage of scripture to answer the question, why are we comforted? From those, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Why don't you look it up? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Read verse number 4. We see that he comforts us in our tribulation. The struggles we go through, the challenges we face, the hurt that we endure, he comforts us. But there is a result and a purpose for which he's comforting us. There's something that he wants. Now, can you answer the why? That we may be able to comfort others. Isn't that what it says? He says there in verse number four, he comforted us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He's saying you've gone through this. You now could or should be able to comfort others. Sometimes the reason we aren't able to comfort others is because although we've been through some things, we didn't rely on God. We didn't learn the lessons that we were supposed to learn through that so that we would have them to be able to give to others. Maybe we went through it on our own. Maybe we just grinned and bared it. Maybe we got bitter because of it. Who knows what, but we made it through and now we're not in the place to be able to help others, but God wants us to. So beloved, if we're to have compassion, and we are, we're to learn some things as we go through the things that we go through so that we can comfort others. Some of you are very skilled in this area. Some of you are naturally compassionate. To be honest, this is an area that I have to work at. I have a little less compassion. Something I have to just, I, I'm being honest, okay? <laughs> it's just the way, the way it is. But some of you are just, I mean, your heart bleeds for anybody, for anything, whatever's going on. It doesn't mean you're just full of compassion. And uh, God uses that to minister to people. I have to ask God to help me and to give me compassion. But God will use that. But we should all be ready and willing and able to help those in their hour of need. So let me give you three points here about how to do this, how to help the hurting. And this by no means is all-encompassing and, and deals with everything, but it's just some points to remember when we are trying to help the hurting. First of all is ponder the crowd, not the crisis. Another way to say that is realize that they're people, not problems. Consider the individual, not the incident. Think about the fact that this person is a person and they're dealing with something that is very real to them. Even though it might be light to you, it's something that's real to them. Especially you could look at this as somebody dealing with somebody much younger, a child, a teenager, maybe a young lady going through her very first heartbreak. This is very real. It's a pain that they've never felt before. You having gone through the 27 you lived through... <laughs> you know they're going to be okay. <laughs> I don't know how many you went through. So I, <laughs> but, but I'm saying, you know they're going to be all right. They're going to come out the other side. But you've got to have some compassion on them for where they are right then. 
realizing the individual. I want you to turn in Matthew chapter 9. I just want to give you some, just quickly, we're going to fly through this uh, Christ, and we see his compassion and concern for people as he was walking through this area and ministering to those in need, and he just continually served and ministered and helped all the people. It doesn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what stage of life they were in. It didn't matter if they were high and lofty or, or low and at the, at the end of the rope, Christ helped them all. I want you to see, first of all, in verse number 18, Matthew chapter 9, you can read this at your own time, verses nine, chapter 9, verses 13 through 38. But we're just going to point out these things. First of all, I want you to see that he helped those that were respected in verse number 18. We see, well, he spake these things unto them. Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. There was concern there, and he says, I, I, My daughter is dying. If you read the whole chapter, you'll see that God met that need. But here was a ruler. Here was somebody who was respected in society, somebody that other people would have maybe tried to cater to and try to help, and Christ did help them too. You know, there's some wealthy people in our society that need help. They still need the gospel. They still need Jesus Christ. Even though they don't know they need him, there's some rulers not too far from here that need Jesus. Amen? <laughs> we need to reach them with the gospel. We see Christ, he helped the respected in verse number 18. I want you to see also that he helped the repulsive in verse number 20. In verse number 20, he says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And you guys know the story, but this woman would have been one that was considered to be ceremoniously unclean. Somebody that she was, that was not supposed to be touched. Somebody that you would almost shy away from and, and, and try and avoid. And here was a woman with an issue of blood that Christ said, no, she has a need. And she, he, he helped her. He also helped the rejected in verse number 27. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, he says there, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. You see, blind men in this society would have been an outcast. They would have been the beggars of the society. They would have been those that people frowned upon or looked down on. People that they looked at and they would have thought, well, either they sinned or their parents sinned. Because otherwise this wouldn't have happened to them. And we see that in other stories in the New Testament. But we see here these men that were rejected, but Christ didn't reject them. Christ ministered to them. We see the raving lunatic in verse number 32. And when he went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. This man, the Bible tells us, didn't have a voice of his own. He didn't have the means or capacity to cry out or call for help himself. He couldn't express his need. He was possessed with the devil. But in the midst of it all, we find that Jesus Christ had compassion. It is in this text where he helped all of these people. We see down in verse number 36, that familiar verse. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion. Beloved, if we're going to help people, we've got to see them as people. We have got to see their need. We've got to have real compassion in our heart, real concern for what's going on in their life. We're going to tell you at, the prayer, at prayer time, but Brother Fred got some really good news. He got a clear PET scan. 
been praying for him. I mean, that is huge. That's, that's a victory that's just, just, wow, praise God. This is a, a burden that he's been carrying and a struggle that he's faced for the last several weeks in preparation, coming up to this to know what's going to happen, expecting the worst news. He got to church today and came down to my office and, you know, I was studying, getting ready for tonight. And he said, I just had to come in and tell you I got a, I got a clear test, you know. I, I, I got it all clear. It's all good. And, and now I'm ready to get to work. And I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord for the clear scan. That's, that's exciting news for him. Something he has carried for, for several weeks. And all over this room is people carrying burdens. And in our church, and people that you know, we've got to see them where they're at and have real heartfelt compassion and love for them. If you want to help them, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what it boils down to. If you're going to help somebody, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to have real compassion. And that'll be a help. I wish I was more like my father. My father has such a gift for meeting people in their hour of need in such an amazing way. My dad came to the hospital down there where Mr. Wright was. Did you tell me that? You come to the hospital? That's my dad. That's just the way he is. He came, he came here. He's sitting, supposed to be taking care of me. And he's like, you got anybody in the hospital that needs a visit? It's that kind of heart that we need to have. And God will use it to minister to people. So ponder the crowd, not the crisis. And then I want you to see, provide comfort, not counsel. Provide comfort, not counsel. You see, you comfort people by just your presence. How much comfort do you and I draw from that little verse that says, he will never leave thee or forsake thee? Just that comfort, just knowing that he is there that he is with you, whatever you're going through, whatever trial. And you know what? When you have a friend or you have a family member or you have somebody that you're, you know, they're going through something with you, it just brings comfort. Yeah, I was laying in the hospital with my uh, back and in a lot of pain, you know. Of course, Mary was there. She wouldn't, she wouldn't have been anywhere else. But, you know, just having that somebody there brings comfort and that's what we do for those we care about is you say well I want to bring comfort so I got to be able to have some good answers for them no just by your presence you can bring comfort turn to Job chapter 2 Job chapter 2 I need to try and hurry but I want you to see this we're going to see two examples here of of these you know the comforters of Job they started out really well. If we could stop reading in verse number 13, these comforters did a great job. Look at Job chapter 2 and verse number 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuttite, and so far, the Mathathite, and, and he brought an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And they lifted up their eyes afar off, and knew him not. 
They lifted up their voices and they wept and they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads towards heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him. For they saw that his grief was very great. They were just there. For seven days they sat. For seven days they were just present. For seven days they were just being a friend, just being present, just providing comfort. And if we could have stopped the story there, they would have done well. (laughs) You know, when someone's hurting, they need comfort, probably not counsel. Um, You know the old saying, unasked for advice is unheeded advice. (laughs) And, you know... We, we just got to be careful about trying to provide a solution when they didn't ask for it. Maybe, maybe if they've asked you and said, what should I do about this or how should I handle this? Well, then that opens the door for you to be able to provide, try and help in that way. But if not, that's not what they're looking for. They just need somebody to be a friend. The fact of the matter is, is many times, like I said, when we get hurt physically, we pull away. Many times people will try and pull away from those they love. They'll even pull away from church. They'll pull away from God's house. They'll pull away from, from those that care about them most when that's not really what they need. What they need is to be with people that love them. And a true friend will try and do that, just be present. You comfort by being present. You comfort by listening. As a man, I, I want to try and provide a solution. As a man, that's my, like, why are we talking about it unless you want my reason or my answer or, well, you know, it's a, here's, how, here's what you need to do. But you provide comfort just by listening, by being present and by listening. Job's comforters, they listened for a while, but then you know the story. They began to accuse and bring their comments as you're listening, let me just encourage you to be careful not to support wrong thinking. You know, many times when people are hurt, they really aren't thinking correctly. And in your effort to try and be a support to them, if you aren't careful, you will solidify in their mind some very wrong thinking. You, you got to be careful not to do that. You know, they call you up and in the middle of the night or one afternoon and they unload about some other brother or sister in Christ here at the church. And your response to try and help them is, man, I can't believe they did that to you. Yeah, they should have never done that. How many of you know there's two sides to every story? (laughs) The longer I'm alive, the more I see that. There's two sides to every story. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. Uh, you know, every story has two sides. And the Bible says in Proverbs eighteen thirteen, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. You can't, you don't want to solidify in their mind wrong thinking. They're, they're hurt, they're bitter, they're angry. You don't want to encourage them down that path. You want to encourage them in a biblical path. You want to encourage them towards right thinking. So, One thing you could do is think 
if this person was calling somebody else about you, what would you want them to say? You see, in, in one respect, you're talking to your friend and you say, well, I want to support him. And so, yeah, those dirty, rotten rascals, they should have never done that to you. But what if somebody was, what if he was calling somebody else about you? What would you want them to say? Well, would you want to hear the other side of the story? Would you want to get all of the facts? So you've got to be very careful about that in your listening. You might could say, I understand your hurt. I know that this is real and the pain you're feeling is real. But I also know that you, as a child of God, want to respond correctly. Don't you? They're going to probably say, not really. Don't really want to respond correctly. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> like, you know, and, and listen, I'm just going to pray with you that God will help you to be able to respond to this in a biblical way. You know, what we need to do is we need to respond to God, not respond to others. So if you could just even remember that thought when somebody calls and they've got something, we need to respond to God, not respond to others. Others are going to mistreat us, but what does God say? We respond to God and do what God would want even in the face of those challenges. So provide comfort, not counsel. We comfort by our presence. We comfort by listening. And then we present Christ, not criticize. You know, Job's friends, they began to criticize. They began to say, oh boy, you must have sinned. You must have done this problem. You must have. They, they, went, they went after him after they sat with him for a number of times. But listen, we need to remember uh, that God is concerned about your hurt. You can tell your friends this. A friend calls you and they're carrying a great burden. You say, listen, God is concerned about your hurt. You remember uh, when uh, Daniel went down into the lion's den? That Daniel cried out to the king when he came back and says, hey, uh, are, you, are you okay? And he said to him, God has sent an angel and he has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. They have not hurt me. God was concerned and protected Daniel from that hurt. Uh, in Daniel chapter 3, verse number 25, when, uh, you know, the three Hebrew children were in the midst of the fiery furnace, they said, hey, look, there is a fourth one walking in the midst of the fire. He says, and lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. That's what the Bible says. God is concerned about your hurt. Remember to give God his rightful place in your life. Remember, God is concerned about your hurt. Remember to give God the rightful place in your life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We think about that verse a lot and we say, Boy, uh, we ought to be ready to give an answer all the time to every man. But the first part of that verse is what establishes us to be able to give an answer is that we sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That means to separate, to set aside, to appoint to a special place, God in our hearts. We need to accept God's control of the circumstances in our lives. 
down at Indiana, I was walking around. Of course, everybody there was coming up and saying, man, we're shocked to see you. We didn't know if, you know, we'd been praying for you and, and couldn't believe that you're even here after the fall. And, and uh, you know, wow, see you upright standing here. This is amazing. And, uh, you know, I said, well, uh, more than once in conversation as people were coming up to me, as I said, I told, I told the church that it was an incident, not an accident. Because we believe God's in control of the affairs of men. And God knows and he allows things to come into our life just like he did for Job. And we, we see that and we know that and we say, oh, these people did this to me. Do you think God knows about it? You think he has any recollection or knowledge as to, as to what happened? That you think there's possibly a reason, there's something you're supposed to learn, or maybe he's enabling you or giving you something so that you'll be able to or ready to help a weaker brother. Maybe you're in a position strong enough to be able to get what you need so that three months or six months or a year from now, somebody that you love and care for is going to be going through something and you'll be able to help them. What we're saying is sanctify God in your hearts. Put him in the place of rule and command where he's supposed to be and recognize that God is working. If you want to help the hurting, encourage them to remember God is concerned about their hurt. To remember that get, to give God the rightful place in their life. To remember to praise him. Remember to praise him. The psalmist in Psalms 119 was persecuted. He was persecuted unjustly. And yet he prays, Psalms 119, 164 says, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Seven times a day. How often are we praising God? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. I'll tell you what, it'll help you a lot deal with the hurt if you've established a habit of counting your blessings. If you've got into practice of continually praising him, it might be good. You got a few days till Thanksgiving, maybe each day between now all the way up to Thanksgiving, every day write down something you're thankful for. Just take a moment each day and just write down something you're th today I'm thankful for and write it down. Today, I'm thankful for just counting your blessings. When we get a good view of how good God has been to us, the burdens we're carrying get a little bit lighter. Ken Collier, in an article that he wrote, establishing, the title of was establishing, sorry, four stabilizing truths, four stabilizing truths for your life. He said this, even the greatest ships that sail the oceans realize that the heavy cargo is not just a heavy burden, but it serves as a ballast to help the ship ride low and stable in the stormiest of seas. When the storms in our lives rage furiously, we need the heaviness of the burden and the comfort from the promises of God that Help us sail securely and stably through. And he gives four stabilizing truths. I'm going to give those to you. They're not, they're, they're not mine, Ken. They're Ken Collier's four stabilizing truths. And there's a whole stack of scriptures that go with each one of them. But first of all, God's love for me is never changing. Something that you can give somebody that's hurting. What can you do? God's love for you is never changing. 
It's an unchanging love. God's purpose for me is Christ-likeness. How I respond and act through this situation should reflect how Christ responded. Should I act? I mean, we could spend a long time here just talking about how Christ responded, how they persecuted and reviled him and beat him and scourged him, and he answered not a word. Nobody, never has there been in the history of man somebody more unjustly hurt than Christ was. And God's purpose for me is that I be Christ-like. So maybe what I'm going through would be to help me be like Christ. God's word to me is final. God's word to me is final. The word of God, his message in this book, that's final. It's going to guide and direct my life. And God's grace for me is sufficient. For stabilizing truths. It's easy to say God's grace is sufficient until you're the one going through the storm. But if you've got these written down and you've got them as part of your life and you look to that when you're going through the storm, you'll grab a hold of those and you'll have those stabilizing truths to help you. So, uh, remember God is concerned about your hurt. Remember to give God his rightful place in your life. Remember to praise him and remember to pray. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 3 tells us that Daniel was preferred among all the others. Why? Because Daniel had an excellent spirit. In the midst of being a captive in a foreign land, in the midst of struggling to just exist as what would be a slave in a foreign country, yet Daniel had an excellent spirit. I think by and large, what gave Daniel his excellent spirit is because you know the story, three times a day, Daniel prayed. He had, a, he had a habit and a pattern of spending time in prayer with the Lord. Cast all your care upon me. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. We, we, we've taught many, many lessons on, on prayer but are we doing it? Those that are going through hurt need to remember to pray. So God commands us to comfort others. If you, want, if you really want to help during a time of crisis or tragedy or personal loss, it helps if you have some thoughts ready, some things written down. You can take some of these things, just put it in the back of your Bible or a little piece of paper or something, and when somebody's going through something, you'll, you'll have those to be able to share. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. God is called the God of all comfort. Our goal should be to point them to Christ. As I bring this to a conclusion, I want you to just, one small thing I want you to realize is that even if somebody brought something upon themselves, this is where you're really going to test your compassion. Because human nature is to look at him and say, you did this to yourself. Uh, what do we like to say? You made your bed, now you got to lay in it. Right? Uh, this is your own fault. And our compassion tends to maybe go out the window 
But even if they brought it on themselves, they are going through a great hurt. And so maybe we need to have compassion on them, remembering that Christ didn't come to rub in the fact that we're sinners. He came to rub out sin. And even though sometimes people do things in their own lives that make that put them in a place of hurt, they still need somebody to care and have compassion on them as they go through it.